Fundraising everywhere. 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 Hey, welcome to the Fundraising as Well podcast. It's great to have you here. Over the next few episodes, we're taking a look at some of our favorite fundraising tech on-demand sessions in celebration of Fundraising Tech Conference coming up on the 22nd of November. If you'd like to join us at the conference, you can use the promo code FEPODCAST to get 50% off. Yeah, just pop in FEPODCAST at checkout to get 50% off Fundraising Tech Conference in November via our website. Now, on today's episode, enjoy. The next speaker is the one, the only, the amazing Alex Fearon. Uh, we've we've had the opportunity to work with Alex in the past, and literally, Alex is one of my favorite people in the sector. Hello, Alex. How are you? Hi. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's so grey and rainy and miserable. Where are you? Where are you talking uh, from? Newcastle. Uh, yeah. best city in the world it's amazing but yeah like dublin it's always pretty bleak but i do see i see a little patch of sunshine in dublin so i don't know what's happening over there i'm gonna have to try and get outside after this <laughs> how are you doing how's how's life treating you life is really good um i feel like the sector woke up in the summer and realized that we need to show our email some love so it's good it's really, Alex, really good Alex, this is what I'm always harping on about. Email is so neglected in our sector. It's so mad how we put so much time and energy into social media and things like that. And and here is this gem of email um, that is still working really, really well for so many organizations. And that's why I'm glad we have you today. Happy to be here. Excited. Well, I'm going to step off the stage and leave it to you, Alex. I'm looking forward to hearing from you as always. And I will be back once you wrap up and and I'll say hello to you then. All right. Cool. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. Could I have my slides up, please? Right. So welcome to Email Marketing 101, how to launch and grow an email marketing program that isn't boring. Um, I'm Alex Fearon, and I'm the founder of Maybe Data. So I work with businesses and organizations with heart and help them ditch digital overwhelm and help you turn email into your most impactful marketing channel. So a maybe later job is a job that requires a little bit more time and a little bit more brain space. And it means that we put them, like shove them to the bottom of our list. And a lot of today's conference is about maybe later jobs, like properly setting up your CRM, you know, creating an accessibility guide. So why should you stay here for 15 minutes and make email a priority? Um, Next slide, please. So for me, kind of the four core reasons, the first is that your social media channels are rented spaces. I think we all became a bit more aware of this in the summer when Instagram massively kind of changed their algorithms. But um, the last couple of weeks with Twitter is a really, really good reminder that we we don't own the communities that we create and build and manage on social platforms. 
Then the second is that an email list is legitly one of the only marketing assets that your organization can own. That's, you know, it's a list and a database where you have permission to get in touch and communicate with people and you own that and that is an asset to your organization. And then you've also got someone's eyeballs and attention on only you. And if you do email well, you have their attention a lot longer than you have on other social media platforms. And then done right, it does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. And that's where kind of automations and integrations really kind of start to come into their own. Um, if you can just minimize the slides, please. Uh, so. With all of that being said, is this really email marketing 101? Who's this for? Uh, if you haven't set up an email marketing program before, I'm going to run through the steps to help you get there. But if you do have an email marketing program, stick around uh, because I feel like because email's been around for so long, like just like Simon and I was saying, like we still don't do it well. And there are probably a couple of really small tweaks that you can make that will make a really big difference to your email marketing program. Uh, so how exactly do you launch an email list? So there are a couple of steps. And the first is that you obviously you need to choose a platform. If you hear any email nerds, consultants, read blogs, anything that mention ESPs, that's basically just really annoying jargon for like your email marketing platform. And there are so many options. And so it means that in the step, like there is a bit of like a research phase here that you, you can't get out of and does take a little bit of time because your organization's kind of like goals and needs for email will be different to other people's. So for me, kind of you have to think about like when you're choosing a platform, what are your your bigger goals, but also kind of what are the existing kind of technical skills and resource within kind of your team right now? I'm also going to say be weary of any platform that says they're a one-stop shop and they'll just magically solve all of your email problems and goals. Because like I said, again, you know, everyone is different. So that all feels really vague, probably a bit unhelpful. So I do have like three minimum requirements for when you are choosing a platform. The first is that you have to be able to send automated emails. A lot of accounts, like their basic accounts, let, let you kind of send an automation journey of maybe one or two emails. Upgrading is 100% worth the money because of the time and resource that it saves you from sending those emails kind of manually. Then the second is that you need to be able to integrate with your donation platform. That's so that you can send timely thank yous and really send kind of segmented comms based on, so I've got a dog down here, <laughs> um, based on kind of what people's behavior is. And then you also need to integrate with your CRM. I think, you know, one of the biggest tech challenges for the sector right now is that like there's so many amazing new platforms and we're using so many more tools which is amazing but all of our data is living in different places and it means that we're not giving our community like the best experience we're also creating a lot of manual jobs for our team 
Um, and we're also probably paying more than we should because they're going to be duplicate records and things. Um, so even if you think you're not ready to kind of look at integrations and things over the, like, let's say the first quarter of next year, by in this research phase, when you're looking for those, it means that kind of you're future proofing your organization. So in terms of what platforms to start looking at, MailChimp, oldie but a goodie, lots of people know how to use it because it's been around for so long. Um, it's also just been bought by Intuit. And so I think that, well, my suspicion is that they're going to be rolling out like a lot of more kind of features over the next year, kind of 18 months. Active Campaign does some really brilliant stuff, especially for drag and drop and building kind of journeys. Flowdesk is quite new to the market. And if like beautifully designed emails is important to your organization's brand, check them out. And then there are also kind of nonprofit specific solutions. So I know um, Charity Digital has an offering with Dot Digital and you can get discounts as well. So yeah, it just takes a little bit of, of rummaging around and testing. Second step is that you need to develop a newsletter bio or like a positioning statement. And that's essentially that little statement that everyone reads on your website before they decide to join your email community. And I always bring this up because subscribe to hear about, like for updates about our work is boring. Like it's not, we you know we've talked about it a lot in this conference already today. We, like our inboxes are full, our heads and our hearts are full. And now more than ever, our community is deciding whether it's like it's worth having us in their space. And so we need to make that little bio work really, really hard. Um, another thing, you know, is that it's not just for our community, it's for us too. And by developing kind of this positioning statement, you essentially develop a brief for the regular emails that you're going to be sending out. And it just helps keep things on track and kind of part of a plan. So some of the questions that you should be asking, you know, what are your the goals of your general email and your newsletter? Which segments of your audience do you want to reach? And segmentation is really important because, you know, email lets us really send people on tailored journeys based on their behavior. So that's something that you need to think about. How often will you be emailing them and um, what topics will you be writing about? In the delicate bag, there's a worksheet that literally runs through a full extensive kind of list of questions to help you develop that positioning statement. So the longer version for your internal team and then the shorter version that kind of encourages people to sign up. Then your third step is that you need to create places for people to opt in. So you've got your platform, you've got your bio. Now you need to tell people to join. Um, there are three kind of main places where that can happen. But the one where I kind of want you to really start is by creating a dedicated sign-up page for your email community. So for example, mine is maybelater.uk forward slash newsletter. That means that it's really easy to send people directly from social or other channels or QR codes. But when you also link it up with your Google Analytics, you can really start to see how people kind of what their content journey is through your whole website um on your website as well don't forget to add like a little block on your footer so that people can sign up but also like test pop-ups um pop-ups do come with a word of warning 
we've all been there, like you've barely read a sentence and then something flashes up and asks you to join. So make sure that whichever tool you use, that you test kind of those timings. Then the second place where you can, you know, create a place to opt in is during your donation checkout or if you have like an, an, a merch or online store functionality. You know, if someone's already in that process, they're invested in who you are and the change that you're trying to make in the world. And those opt-in statements are nearly always generic. We need to make those opt-in statements work incredibly hard for us so that we you know, don't just have to kind of update people in terms of legitimate interest on, you know, where their donation has gone, but also kind of broader areas of our work. Um, and then another really interesting one that I love is by using kind of quizzes or hand raises or kind of petitions to help grow your list. Um, these don't necessarily have to be part of your, like you don't need to be a campaigning organization to do these. Um, experts in this are Forward Action. Go and check them out. Um, I'm a really big fan of not repeating stuff that kind of already exists out in the world. Um, could I have the hurdle slide, please? So before I go on to think about like what you need to write about and how often we desperately need to talk about the two hurdles that charity email marketing kind of faces almost like straight off the bat like we really haven't been running the race very long and we keep on making the two same mistakes again and again uh, the first is thinking about how much data we need to collect straight away uh, we as a sector oof, we love a form we love to like figure out when people's birthdays are and where they live and all of this extra information so we can send them all of the segmented stuff and then we never actually do anything with the data. And particularly kind of on your dedicated sign-up form, all of that data is probably putting people off. And one of my favorite things about email is that it's incredibly easy to collect that those additional data points kind of further on in a journey. So think about what you really need. Often you literally just need a first name and an email address. And then the second hurdle, which like I'm so I'm such a little email geek, so passionate about it is your welcome email. Uh, I'm not talking about that double opt-in GDPR email. I'm talking about the email that comes after that. The email that like welcomes people to your email community. It is such a vital email to send. And even some of the biggest charities in the UK still don't send them. Uh, it, your welcome email will have one of the highest open rates that you'll probably ever have in email. And so by not sending it, you know, you're really, you're wasting, a, wasting an amazing opportunity. Uh, readers also expect them. Something like 76% of subscribers expect to see that welcome email and they expect to get an email that's going to tell them more about what they'll get from being part of your community. And then it also, it sets the table for future engagement. And I'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. But, you know, there's also a technical reason why your welcome email is so important. So our inboxes also have algorithms. We just don't talk about them kind of as much in the same way as we do social media. And um, 
So one of the main things is that they look for like how healthy and engaged our email lists are. And if, and that kind of decides whether you end up in a promotions tab or an updates tab or spam. And a lot of that has to do with how clean and engaged your email list is. And your welcome email is one of the best ways to help you kind of build that, that healthy email list. Um, could I have the next slide, please? So what to include in your welcome email? A uh, couple of things to consider. What will your reader gain from being part of your community? Um, how often will you be in touch with them? This is important, especially if like you're fleshing out like a welcome journey and you're going to be in touch with people a little bit more often than normal. Because uh, then it just lets them know that you're not going to be emailing them, you know, every two days. That's not the norm. Housekeeping stuff that feels really boring to write about, but really does make a very big difference is to add an email address to your address book. If you have a lot of subscribers that use Outlook, um, this is particularly kind of one to note if you'd work with a lot of like workplaces, make sure that you include things about how to like whitelist an email address. And then also if someone uses Gmail to drag you to the primary. Then another really important thing is to include what I call like a low hanging engagement opportunity. Um, so like to vote on a poll or a survey. And again, this is for two reasons. Number one, that kind of that technical reason for helping you build like a really active and engaged list. But also in terms of like setting the stage for future engagement, you want to build an email program that gets where people take actions, where they donate, become regular givers, sign up for events. But so often, because we have this like newsletter trap, we a lot of our emails is just passive. We're just kind of sharing content. And by getting people to take an action straight off the bat, you're building habits. And if you keep on asking them to do things, by the time it comes like time to ask them to do something quite big, they're in the habit. Uh, and then also, like, be a human. Um, I think this is where email can really kind of come into its own. Like, yes, there's a lot of formal stuff that you're including uh, right here, but send it from a person and just, or, you know, and A-B test it as well, um, because I do think that it, it really does make a really big difference. Um, can I have the next slide, please? So how not to write boring emails. Um, I, you've got your platform, you've got your amazing newsletter bio, you've got your welcome email or journey. Uh, now what? I didn't just include, you know, to create an email program that isn't boring to catch your attention. I included it kind of because I think that email in the charity sector, it's not successful for kind of two main reasons the first is that we don't email enough uh if you if like we know an email 30 percent is a really high open rate so if you're emailing someone once a month they're hearing from you like what four times a year that's not enough to build that kind of that relationship and then the second reason is that our emails are boring um, I actually sometimes think that the term newsletter does our sector far more harm than good. Uh, and it conjures up images, 
sometimes literally, and that's a whole other like accessibility chat of like print versions of impact of reports that we send out twice a year or, you know, like newsletters that look like they were basically like written before the dot-com bubble burst early 2000s. Like, and our, our community doesn't engage with content like that anymore. And so I have a couple of pointers around how not to be boring so that you can write weekly emails to your community. Yes, weekly. Don't freak out. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I, like, I barely have time to send a monthly email. Um, you Next year, your goal is that you have to slowly start working up to send those weekly emails. Uh, it's number one, that regularity and list hygiene. So showing up regularly helps you do that um also we in the sector we're like now we're entering that time of the year where we there's a massive spike in the number of emails that we send our community if the rest of our years like literally flatline and we're like only sending them whenever we remember and then we launch a giving tuesday campaign and then we launch our year-end appeal and we'd like flood people uh that's really not good for deliverability and it can also really easily end you up in the spam folder. Um, and then also you make more money. You make, you generate more donations by sending more emails and um, look at the 2021 MR benchmarks for that. They've got really great email stats, right? On to actual tips. Um, first up, send single topic emails. If you've got newsletters or multiple topic things already drafted, just chop them up. You've already then like populated a content table. Uh, send emails from real people across your organization. This means you don't actually have to like change the send address, but work, change those kind of those, those tones of voices and those perspectives from like your service users to teams who really aren't often like front and center, like make your email belong to everyone and it'll become an incredible channel. Um, ditch the shoulds. I love this one. Email has this really weird effect on us where we still rock up really formally and we treat it like old school letter writing and we need to like break free of what we think uh, an email or a newsletter should look like. Um, in terms of design, also, like, don't be afraid, like simple is better. We don't need these mega designed templates anymore. Um, often, like just a logo at the top or even just absolutely plain text can generate some really incredible results. Uh, then my next tip is to allow distraction. Uh, if an idea for, for an email kind of pops up, stop what you're doing jot it down. My notes app is absolutely full. If you're part of a team, make sure that you're creating a space where everyone can just like dump those ideas when they've got a minute. And then don't over schedule, leave room to be reactive. And um, we know this from a lot of our other kind of digital content and emails no different. And then focus on action, like little and often get people to do things, make them do one key action per email. Uh, and then remember that what you put in for email is what you get out. Uh, really quickly, because I know I'm running out of time, is what metrics do you have to focus on? Could I have the next slide, please? Uh, and it's engagement 
has to be your number one metric. Like you need to be looking at your click-through rates and your reply rates, uh, but you also kind of need to be looking at income per email and income per recipient. That's when having those integrations set up, like it really starts to come into its own because you can see what your emails are kind of helping you achieve. Um, open rates, they're still important, but they need to be secondary. Basically, just use your open rates to test subject line copywriting. Um, yeah, I'm going to be in the networking room afterwards if you want to have a big chat about Apple Mail privacy uh, update. And we can talk about, again, why open rates shouldn't be kind of your main metric. Um, and then lastly, you need to be cleaning your list at least twice a year. That means trying to re-engage subscribers who are cooling off, so who haven't, haven't interacted with you for a while, chance to win them back. Uh, if they're not engaging with you, you need to give them the chance to unsubscribe. I know it feels really sad to like let your subscribers go, but by hanging on to those people, you are doing the health of kind of your email list more harm than good. Uh, and then final slide, please. Uh, say hi. Uh, I have a newsletter weekly for people with a love-hate relationship with digital marketing in kind of the purpose-driven space. Say hi to me on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter. Will Twitter exist in two weeks' time? I don't know. Um, but yeah. That's it. Thank you so much. I'm around for questions. I'm in the networking room. Hope it's been useful. It has indeed, Alex Fearon. Thank you very much for that. Uh, there's some really interesting stuff that I, li I like the what you talked about, about you don't have to get all the data at that initial point. Like it doesn't have to be a big, long, complicated form. You can, it's actually a really good engagement tool, isn't it? To actually ask questions down the road and learn a little bit more about them. Not only are you getting more data, but they actually feel like you care about them, which you do. Absolutely. And I also think it makes you, when you do it in that process, in that order, it makes you think about why you're asking for it and also what your readers and your subscribers will get from sharing it. Mm. Like we're all so much more precious about the data that we share now. Mm. And so I think it like, it just brings another kind of like ethical marketing element to how we collect that data as organizations. And sometimes you don't, they don't like, we don't think about it that much, do we? Because it's like the tech person or the, the person who built the website has just done it in their standard way. But there hasn't actually been that conversation of why are we asking for this data and what are we going to do with it, have we? Yeah, exactly. Um, there was another question about um, uh, from Lynette. Lynette, there's no such thing as a silly question, um, but asking about how you A B test. Now, that's probably quite a big question. Um, maybe a quick short answer and then you could step into the chat box or the breakout room to talk further about it if that's okay but, yeah but absolutely quick, quick um idea re really quickly a b testing obviously how you do it depends on the functionality of your platform but in terms of what to test start small start with different subject lines um different types of like graphics oh and i also think email length is a really interesting one to test um, so that's that's my really quick overview, but I will leave and hop into the networking room if sure. anyone has any other questions. And, and from a, just on that, from a very practical level, the, I mean, all these tools like MailChimp and things like that, they all have it built in, don't they? So they, they kind of guide you through how to do A-B testing. Absolutely, yeah. And they all do it in like a step-by-step -step process so you can see exactly how many people are going to receive each test and 
they'll share yeah. the winning results with you. So yeah, they make it really easy for you because they want you to test and create better emails at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Alex. Well, lovely to see you again. Thanks for sharing your time. Thank you so much. Of course. See you soon. See you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Fundraising Everywhere podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not share it with a fundraising friend? And if you would like to give us a little like or subscribe, it really helps more fundraisers like you find us. Thank you so much. See you next time.